you know, back in middle school, the kids didn't have credit cards and stuff back then. Everybody had cash. So I'd come home with these wads of cash. And my dad actually asked me if I was selling drugs. And I was like, no, 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 it's business. I couldn't answer any information. And so I, to say that I started at, not, not at the bottom in the traditional sense, but at the bottom of the totem pole in regards to education experience, right, I mean, right, and it right. doesn't get much lower than that. Over the course of about seven years, six, seven years, by the grace of God, I had an opportunity to get out of that rut build that business into what became one of the top 1% in the, uh, in the state of Texas. Our, our mission is to help companies grow profitably and realize their potential. And our vision is to create a world where individuals are inspired by their potential, motivated by their progress and fulfilled when they come home. It's time to stop trusting the public markets and look to history's first trillionaire on how to build real lasting wealth. Look, over the past 14 years, we've applied these exact principles in more than 300 plus transactions. Not one single investor has lost money. That trillionaire was King Solomon. We'll be sharing his wisdom on how to build wealth in a way that's translated for the 21st century investor. My name is Blake Templeton, and this is the Solomon Investor Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Solomon Investor Podcast, where we look at the wisdom of the world's wisest man, King Solomon, and translate it for the 21st century investor, covering everything you need to know between wealth, faith, and excellence. I've got a special guest for you, Evan Stewart. He's a world-renowned life and business strategist with a mastery in building dominant, sustainable, and purpose-driven lives and business. Evan, welcome to the show, my man. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I uh, we shared some great conversation beforehand, so I can only imagine how incredible this episode is going to be. But I'm very happy to be here, and uh, cannot wait to see where this conversation takes us. So thank you again. Hey, well, you're very welcome, man. Uh, my listeners have a very clear picture of what they want, and that is they realize that without faith, they're literally upside down in their purpose because their purpose actually came from the one who they're designed to have faith in. So this desire to be God-directed and then to actually take control of their purpose. So instead of letting life live them, they're actually taking control of life, being directed by God. And then the big picture of that is, you know, what are you going to do with it? And it's, it's through excellence. It's through actually transforming people, you know, turning darkness to life. And obviously we own an investment firm called Boron Capital. We actually help that come down into their actual investment portfolios. And with you, uh, with your brand obsessed, when I saw that, man, I'm like, I've got to understand what he's doing in his conference, in his academy to actually transform people in their mind and their emotions and their heart to actually walk out their purpose. And so mm. I've got a question for you. Sure. Before we get into that, what was your journey, if you will, like your hero's journey, the ups and downs of it? If you can give a concise picture of like what took you to this point from where you started to where you are now. Man, that's so good. And you see, I, I knew this is why this is why you're one of the best is because you can immediately start conversation that, that gets me excited. So uh, <laughs> thank you for, for being so bold in, in what you speak to. You know, my hero's journey is not over. I'm still in it, as I think we all are. Um, I think it would be naive to believe that we're done. In reality, I, I don't look at goals. I look at growth uh, projections. And, and we're just kind of always scaling away from, from where we're at. There was a phrase back in one of my other companies when I used to be in real estate that um, a client had stated. They were a couple 
who were getting into a home and it was a $2.83 million house that they were getting into, but they were selling a $500,000 house. And, you know, they obviously, you could tell they were younger, they had some success and, and yeah, I mean, you know, you see this every day, people that, that get the lift and they said, what we used to strive for, we now starve on. And I thought, wow, how interesting is that? That, that great perspective. And they had said it in a way that was gracious, not arrogant, but I, it just stuck with me. So little things like you're talking about, about what, what you do as you help other people embark and create their wealth. Um, that phrase of what we used to strive for, we used, or what we used to strive for will now starve on, I also think is tongue in cheek in relation to that if God is going to give you much, then it's up to your responsibility to do much with it. And mm. so that means the hero's journey is never over getting back to what I was stating just a second ago. But in reality, to make a long story short, I was born into a family of an entrepreneurial spirit. My father was an entrepreneur. My great uncle okay. was a very successful entrepreneur. And uh, my home was together. So I do actually like to mention that because I think that was a, a very important benefit. Um, I see, I work with a lot of individuals uh, who come from all different walks of life, but I do believe that success as an adult starts with a successful home relationship. And I don't... Uh, negate the blessing of having a, two parents that, that were together in the home. And so I actually think that that love and that entrepreneurial spirit uh, was the foundation of, of all uh, that we built upon because um, I had great mentors. Like I could look directly to my father as he was building his business, which he started when my brother and I were young. So it wasn't like I came into, you know, I'm, I'm running around in diapers in 12,000 feet. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's, he's the epitome the example of uncommon things beginning beginning with common people, right? Where where you go off to accomplish something great and it has very humble roots. And so growing up, I saw my father build a business, an actual business. And now he employs, you know, oh, 30, 40 people, something like that. And so it's it's a good mid-sized business now. But um, at the time, I mean, it was him and a couple of, of friends, right? They're just building up this company, you know, much like nice. my, like your listeners have seen, you get into that, that momentum. And so, um, you know, I'm an observer. And so I started recognizing that there was this tendency to serve or offer a product or a service or do something other than have traditional employment should you want to accomplish things in life. Because the only thing I saw in my environment was my father says, we're going to achieve this. And yet he was the one that created the environment in which it was achieved, not sure. we're going to achieve this. So let me ask and let me try and figure out where I can sure. latch into. Um, that combined with, I think, just some innate creativity and excitement and drive uh, really created a, an incredible entre entrepreneurial journey. And so I, I had these little startup businesses in elementary school. I was slinging ice cream, man, you know, buy it for 30 cents, sell it for 50 cents. And then it went to fruit snacks. And then in middle school, it was technology where we, uh, we would buy these crates of broken technology and we'd ship them off to get refurbed. And then we'd resell them as certified refurb and have, you know, hundreds of percent in profit. Um, yeah. It was funny that actually blew up. Uh, well, I, I say blew up, you know, little tongue in cheek. It was, respectively, yeah. Respectively, right. Um, I was coming home, you know, because this is, you know, back in middle school, the kids didn't have credit cards and stuff back then. Everybody had cash. So I'd come home with these wads of cash. And my dad actually asked me if I was selling drugs. And I was like, no, 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 it's business. And I sat down and I showed him the model. He was like, hey, I was like, I learned it from That's you. Awesome. And that was a, <laughs> but um, high school, uh, you know, landscaping company and and that technology company went into high school as well. And but all of that to say that I I got a chance to work with product and work with people and environments and cultures and start to feel out some of the basics of business before I left high school. And so when I was in college, I was in college for three semesters, and I just felt that it wasn't for me. Um, I had this innate desire to get into something bigger. And at the time, I had a really big ego. Um, not so much anymore because I've had a chance to, to get that checked. 
Um, so I had two options, Blake. I could accept the job at Target or I could go into real estate. So I thought, well, I'm better than that. You know, this is you know, me thinking so highly of myself. I, I accept the job in real estate, not because I I wanted to more than anything, because hey, I sure. love real estate, but also candidly, I was too arrogant to accept the job at Target. Thank God I've been humbled a lot since then. <laughs> um, but I get into the into real estate and day one, I have no training. I sit down and the boss or my, my broker at the time drops this book of binders on my desk. I was an mm. agent for, for your listeners and, and says, this is everyone who's called into our company in the last five years. It's like old school spreadsheets printed out from Excel. He said, call them back and see if they're interested in buying real estate. Starting at the bottom. <laughs> Dude, I, I bought my little Bluetooth headset. I remember unboxing it from Best Buy, right? Um, put it in my ear and I start making the call. The first person, yeah, I'm still in the market because I didn't realize I started at the top, which meant I'm calling the people from like a week ago, oh, last month, wow. right? I'm That's still in the market. Funny. Sure. I'm interested in one, two, three Main Street. I go, okay. I pull it up. He says, how much is it? I was so naive. I didn't even know how to read the MLS sheet. So oh, I couldn't wow. even tell him. So we went back and forth a couple of times. I didn't even, I, I couldn't answer any information. And so I, to say that I started at, not, not at the bottom in the traditional sense, but at the bottom of the totem pole in regards to education experience, right, I mean, right, and right. it doesn't get much lower than that. Like how much is it? I, I, and I can't even tell you, well, obviously I'm not, you might not have a lot of confidence in me as your agent. And so over the course of about seven years, six, seven years, by the grace of God, I had an opportunity to get out of that rut build that business into what became one of the top 1% in the uh, in the state of Texas, a multi, multi eight-figure book of business and annual sales, represents some of the most beautiful multi-million dollar properties in the, uh, and great individuals uh, all around North Texas. Um, and then that led us to, to identify new opportunities. So kind of a long run around a short walk type of answer, but that entrepreneurial thread. Yeah. I love your story. We have so much in common. Mm. Um, I think it's so valuable to understand that in someone's darkness, if they grew up with, unfortunately, not a good household, mm-hmm. like God actually works in that. That's like when, when he molds and shapes someone, he's actually doing something, creating a good work for them to use that influence. Mm-hmm. But on the other side of it, when someone has a good, healthy environment, a lot of times, unfortunately, that's overlooked as like, like you were, you're in the minority and you, you, you got something good. So you, you didn't deserve it and you got it. And, you know, so it kind of does like, like it doesn't count if you're successful because you didn't come out of some hole from the very beginning of, you know, the womb, but that's where my, I grew up in a, in a very healthy, you know, my parents loved me. Mm-hmm. I, my, my mom told me, um, every day you can do whatever you want, like you believe and you can achieve it. My dad told me, you know, I'm always proud of you. And there's something about for those who are in their journey of being a father or a mother, there's a, I mean, there is a very clear indication of the amount of collapsing of time of your, your children's, of the legacy of, of their success by not having to go through those things. And clearly we know by many testimonies and biographies of those who had those hard times, you know, who had to go through all those things um, of what God can, you know, mold out of the rock and turn into a diamond. But I had similar story, drop out of college, not a penny in my name, you know, obviously going oh, to yeah. real estate, uh, the, the arrogance, the ego, you know, I had all those things. God brought me into that valley. So 
Um, very interesting. I love what God's doing in the Obsessed brand. And clearly, uh, we both had to hit a rock bottom at some point in that journey. And that's that rock bottom. I mean, back then, it was like the most hated moment of your entire life. You didn't know how long it was going to last. Yeah. But the that that point of which God's breaking you and breaking the flesh and like tearing away the 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 old man the bad the the old man's will the old man's emotions and thoughts that though that moment's like our biggest trophy because you and I can go back and look and see like that part of the journey was you know the largest success that we've actually had so continue tell me more about um, you know, what is your purpose and conviction behind the obsessed culture? So you've got this brand mm-hmm. obsessed, um, you do conferences, it's, it's an academy for um, sales training, growing businesses, help mm-hmm. me understand, like, what's your purpose and conviction behind that? Well, well, I'll answer that. But I also want to touch on two things that you stated to to wrap up that first part sure. of the conversation as it relates to um, my father is of the believer, which is, I want to give my children enough to do something, but not enough to do nothing. Okay. And, um, so starting up those businesses and whatnot, like I had been in a situation where my friend and I had to split the cost of peanut butter and bread because we had, no <laughs> and so, and so we've been in situations like that, but I, I think that starting there for those of you that are listening, that actually don't come from the struggle. And, and if you do, I mean, even more power to you, because obviously starting with, um, you know, a, a little bit of a wound is not, not the best. But for those of you that don't, the reason that I started that way is because I think there's an issue right now in society where, where a lot of people like to overplay the, their, their, their problems to show that they had things worse than they did. When in reality, I think that if we just called it for what it is, if you don't start from the, the absolute, absolute wound and you actually start with two feet under you, well, then start there and start your story there it's because that's what point. people want to hear. And so I actually appreciate just to affirm you, Blake, and, and state to what you're speaking to. I want to affirm you in that. Thank you also for, for being bold enough to speak that because it's very easy to say like, man, I come from nothing if you don't. Um, and then that that's a, not a very not a very good conversation to have later down the road when people who have actually gone through that say, well, actually that, that doesn't seem to be the case with you. Um, there's a saying that I, I believe, which is that you can be called before you're competent. And oftentimes Absolutely. too many of us want to, uh, we want to recognize that we are called with, in the same breath, we refuse to recognize the caller. Mm. And the interesting thing is when God is trying to get your attention, um, he will typically use what you pay attention to, to demand your attention. It's a great point. The more distracted you get, the more intense his demand becomes, which means that after a certain point, some things have to break in order to get you back on track. And my break was when I was in a little couple hundred square foot apartment. I just, I was starting to move up in my price point in real estate, but I couldn't keep the money. I just, I just, there were all these expenses and backlog. And I just, I was in a state of catch up and uh, I wasn't even really making that much anyway, but I just couldn't keep much of anything. And I'm, I'm sitting there in a target parking lot. I have to figure out how to come up with another $860 for rent. Cause that's all my rent was. Um, and I just start breaking down. It's like 11 o'clock. I have to figure out how do I do the groceries? How do I do this? How do I do this? How do I do this? And I finally, I just turned and, and prayed. And that was the beginning of the breaking of the arrogance and the ego to really say, okay, I can be bold in my faith, but that means that I have to be meek in my flesh. And in being bold in faith, you'll be placed in situations where the only description that people have when they look at you is that you're a man that's trying to be a less authentic version of yourself and a more authentic representation of Jesus. 
And I think too oftentimes we try to be a better version of ourselves, which is broken to begin with and started, instead of trying to strive for what's already been proven to be perfect. So not to get off on a churchy tangent there, but I do think that's worth stating since, since you had described that, that, that phrase of purpose and calling. And, and to answer your question, that Love actually that. goes back to, to what, we, what we do with OA, which is I'm in, I, I'm, I'm in real estate. So um, I'm, I'm an agent, I'm, I'm, I'm brokering deals, uh, really growing that business. And I start noticing in my time there that there are these great, great men and women around me that were older, had more experience, had a better network. I knew a, a woman actually who um, she and her, her husband were incredibly successful and she herself lived in about a $6 million home and her friend, for agent, brand new agent out of the gate, and her friend listed a property and it was $12.5 million. So can you imagine being your first deal being a, a t- anyway, I, I was like, my first deal was like a, a trap house, but that's cool. Right. That's cool. Um, <laughs> um, but anyway, so, so we have these great men and women in this environment that are, they've got all the tools and they're just not succeeding. And it's not because they didn't want it, Blake. That's the interesting sure. thing. I, I really, I sat down, I'm a data-driven person, right? So early into my career, I'm recording my conversations. I'm sitting down, I'm listening, I'm reading. I'm literally getting obsessed with this ideology of, of breaking the things that I don't know in order to move deeper into the things that work. And I'm looking around sure. me and I'm saying, why is this not working? Mainly because I don't want to duplicate things that aren't working. But what I found was that industries, I thought it was just real estate, but it's not. You see it in finances. If, if you know, you're listening to this, you're listening, you're thinking, okay, it's in insurance, it's in real estate, it's in all these industries. What happens is, is that they become echo chambers. And so everyone starts pulling from the same pond. Well, the problem is if you don't have any fresh water in the pond, the water goes sour and it starts to infect all the businesses that drink of it. And so what I notice is all these businesses are getting infected. These real estate agents are having the same conversations. Hey, Blake, this is Evan Stewart. And I want to see, dude, no one answers the phone like that anymore. Right? They're leaving these voicemails. I saw you inquired on that. And what happens is, is that they're, they're stuck in the echo chamber that hasn't evolved because it's never been forced to, and yeah. it's died in about 1988. Great point. And so I'm looking around and I'm saying, okay, God put me in a position to grow a great business, but my boots on the ground also accomplished great work. I'm looking around saying, why are these people failing? And so I started to give a little bit of advice and I was at the time, I guess you could call it coaching, but I was, um, you know, just answering questions. And I started noticing that the advice that I was giving with these individuals, it was being answered again and it was being answered again and it was working again and again and again in these different industries. And so eventually I started noticing, okay, there's something to this and that, that, in, in so many words grew into what we're doing now with obsessed Academy and obsessed conference, where we took the same proprietary info that can help other people. And now we're trying to distribute it as much as possible, Blake, with the ideology that an individual, that they should grow profitably and, and realize their potential. But the way they do that is getting access to the tools that actually work and not just the motivation. You know what I mean? Sure. So are you tapping into um, the rules and beliefs that run them? Can I give you a pre-frame? So I run a conference called Gladiator Realm and mm. it's transforming guys or avatar of high net worth individuals who mm-hmm. whether they have a business they're influential person of some sort um, but whether it's their marriage their business their personal life their actual broken rules are what run them subconsciously and those just haven't been updated the enemy got mm-hmm. a fiery dart in the yeah. shield of faith wasn't up and that fiery dart now is building spiritual cancer and it builds rules and beliefs. 
Are you actually focusing on that side or is it more of the optics and metrics and maybe their purpose and mm. helping them mm. like recalibrate priorities? So it's both. training. It just depends on, yeah, it just depends. So there's two different avenues. When I work with people, when my wife and I work with people, a lot of times, some of the people that we work with are multi seven, eight, nine, one individuals, a 10 figure individual. I can't go to someone that's running a billion dollar company and say, here's how you run your company better on, on a large scheme. I mean, sure, there are little things and I can always help on sales and tactics and things like that. We can always tweak, but I haven't built a billion dollar company. So it would be rather arrogant for me to say, I know what you can do better than you. Oftentimes when we're working with individuals of a significant caliber, we look at the other areas of life. Here's how our, we've been pulled away from purpose. Here's how you, if you haven't even spent time to identify that, here's how we can dive into your specific belief and, and into your specific work and combine them to see how you can live an inspiring, okay. fascinating, motivating life through things you're already doing and dig in, not the existential, but the tactical. When we're dealing with high level individuals, those are the conversations where maybe someone will hire us to come into their company and work with their 40 salespeople. But we find ourselves sitting in the conference room working with that individual and their spouse on their relationship because it's the re reason why the salespeople aren't working is because the relationship isn't, at home isn't working real and they're talk. taking that cancer back into the business because they don't know how to communicate in ways that people understand and they're not listening properly. So now when they're with their salespeople, the same problems they're having at home with their spouse, they're having with Jane and John Doe in the sales room. It is so, so true. That, that type of thing. But for those that aren't at those, those levels where they can where that's the issue, not that people at the top only have that issue, but oftentimes at the at the 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 lower end in relation to just starting out where maybe you're listening to this, you you've got a one employee or it's just you or five employees or you're breaking your first million or five million when you're in that startup e phase, I believe that personal development goes out the window when bills come in the door. So first and foremost, without sounding greedy, like man, you got to get your money right. I don't care if you go to the gym and go to every Tony Robbins freaking event out there. If if you come home to a stack of pink slips on the counter, you're not going to feel right about who you are or what you're doing because it's going to take up mental real estate. It's real, and so, yeah. so on, on that standpoint, yeah, it's like, look, if you're an ordinary individual and you keep having all these stresses and struggles, you know what would really help? Like $300,000 when you've been used to making 40. That way you can give yourself the freedom to be creative and think and dream and the resources to embark deeper into the avenues in which you feel called instead of staying stuck in the minutia of the work, like mud on your shoe. And so those two avenues, depending on the perspective, the answer is, yeah, we work in both. It just kind of depends on the, on yeah, the, I meaning, love you know? that. It's not a cookie cutter, you know, and, and the truth is, is going back to, I think what your purpose is, is you're um, in your words, reinventing that actual style. And that's, I mean, that I, we've got so many things in common. That's what I do. And on our mm -hmm. side is, um, you know, and it really comes from being God directed because if you're not God directed, that's why you create a cookie cutter because you went into a deep moment of discernment on fixing yourself or someone else. And then you put that into a box. So you don't have to go into that, that, that deep spot of, intuitiveness again and now you just sell that on a cookie cutter and it hits some people good and obviously the mo most it just catches them at a, at a point and so the realization of being god breathed having god directed purpose and passion and clarity and uh you know when when your rules internally that run you are calibrated and you're actually having his thoughts and not our thoughts then then you're actually processing taking all your tools from obsessed 
and actually putting that into a morphed way that this person actually needs it. So I love that. I heard it once said, uh, it's a shame to have a thought about you in your head that's not in God's head about you. And that's what most people do is clearly they're all the fiery darts of hitting them. Just like your point, uh, starting from the top down, it's the guy in his marriage that's literally eating him out you know, internally inside from out and he can't actually go pour in out of abundance, out of overflow. So, you know, he literally has to get full on the inside. And then to your other point on the actual provision financially, that's, that's the point of this podcast is, you know, if you go into the health, wealth and prosperity world, which we're totally against the health, wealth and prosperity, because it's like, that's for you, not for God. So then you yeah. really lose your purpose. You lose your actual point of direction. But you actually have to have wealth. And I think God wants to give his people actual wealth. You know, in, um, in the word, we're very clear that God's storing up the wealth of the wicked for the righteous. So I love that you're actually molding it and shaping it with your obsessed conference. That's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Well, well, it's not it's not prosperity gospel for sure. I, I don't I don't believe in that. But but what I, and, and I know you're not referencing that. I'm just clarifying you sure, know, sure. For, for the listener. But what I do recognize is that often when we think of wealth, we immediately think of finances, and you know, spiritual wealth is not just financial. I would argue that Mother Teresa had some pretty great spiritual wealth, and yet she didn't sure. have much money. And so I think. There's a couple of things that I did early on as I was breaking the molds of of my previous identity and trying to be more authentic. That first thing that I mentioned of I'm constantly driven by not trying to be the best version of myself, but being a more authentic representation of Jesus, first and foremost. Um, Great. That alone does a lot. That alone does a lot. But then the second thing, and this is the dangerous, dangerous prayer. So if any of you are feeling really bold, maybe your life is a little too comfortable and you want to give permission for God just to kind of come in and tweak. Um, the come second on. one is, is I started praying for things to be unexplainable. Love because that. what happens is, is our state of, de- and I say all, I'm speaking to all of you that are good at what you do. The state of default is I am good at what I have created. In reality, you could be very good of managing and working. See, God calls us to work and calls us to be managers. But in reality, I don't create anything. I happen to manage and grow the seeds that he's planted within my life. And I think often when I pray for a lack of explainability, where I just sit there and say, listen, it, it has to be God. I cannot explain. Lightning may strike once, may strike strike twice, but 5,000 times, I cannot explain this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And it doesn't mean that every conversation needs to be, you know, you being an evangelist. But what it does mean is that the reality of the conversations are rooted in the fact that a deep internal knowing that you're actually not the creator. And I think that gives you the permission and the freedom to no longer have to be boastful, to no longer have to seek that egotistical feed because in reality, there. I'm not, I don't actually do anything. I manage well. I work well with the gifts I believe God has given me. I refine what I believe he's given me. And, and that's kind of it. And it doesn't mean that you don't work. It just means that you, if, if I have to create this better future for myself, well, how about I stay obedient to the future that's already been laid before me, right? I believe it's in Ephesians that you have to live a life worthy of the calling in which you have received. Not that you have or have not received a calling but you have to live a life worthy. See, that's a different mindset than I have nothing. I'm going to create something. You know what I mean? At, at yeah, least to me, maybe point. it's, 
maybe it's wrong, but, but it's, it's, no, it's a great point. (laughs) Great point. And, uh, the, 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 the heart of Christ in Ephesians two verse six, it says that you and I are seated in Christ in heavenly places. And so that calling clearly, as you're saying, like you're managing the calling, like, you know, you're not, it's not your will who's getting to go choose the calling. So I love that direction of, or that distinction, um, because that, that changes everything where most people are living past present and they're allowing their past bad decisions to affect their present decisions. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're actually saying, no, that calling was actually in the future. And now managing that would mean becoming the best representation of Christ yeah, getting I'm out saying, of the way. So I love, I, and and that's why wealth is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because at that point you can actually, I mean, it's like wealth one hundred and one, or is let's go back to financial wealth for a second. Mm-hmm. Financial yeah. wealth one hundred and one is actually getting rid of those pink slips. Like God's desire wasn't just to teach you lessons through the pink slips and the the, right. the late bills, and and right. so um, there, that's, there is a very important point of that. And I love then you're going into the, the different facets of spiritual wealth and having capacity for his intimacy and realizing like the, the wealth of giving out of prosperity or the wealth of, of giving, having patience out of, you know, being full in abundance. And um, I mean, going through all the actual facets of who Christ is, um, spiritual wealth comes when that call, when you're looking at that calling. So share with my listeners, for that person who's in their, um, you know, 50s and 60s, and they've actually come out of a position of working, they might have even hit what we call the natural condition of man, like uh, Michael Gerber says, yeah. where you fall asleep and become a machine. Yeah. Um, how do they reconcile? Like, how do they activate that purpose again? so that they can actually find new purpose. Maybe they've just retired. How do they actually recalibrate and mm. and live out that rest of their life with massive obsession? Two different points of thought on that. One is existential, one is tactical. So if you like the existential, you're going to love it. If you like the tactical, you're going to love it. Just give me a second. So um, wait for the tactical through that yeah, person. So, so wait for the tactical. I don't believe in motivation. I believe in being motivated by being connected with that calling. And so I always like to give a little bit of this disclaimer. I'm not a motivational speaker. Because um, <laughs> you know what? It's more motivating than anything. Progress, baby. That's really motivating. It's true. Um, but, uh, but I mean, first and foremost, in the existential stop putting conditions on an unconditional love. That's the first thing. Because oftentimes what happens, I said, stop putting conditions on an unconditional love, especially if you're looking for that from a a spiritual standpoint. See, God didn't ask for permission to call. So stop trying to look for permission to pick up. And oftentimes what happens is, is we get stuck in our distractions and we feed the things that keep us away from calling because we're more terrified of what life will look like if God interrupts than we are of what life will look like if he's shut out. And then at the end of the life, we have no time to go back and fix. So not saying that I know everything. I don't. I'm not 60. I haven't lived that life. But what I do know early on is that the earlier and the sooner that you can stop giving yourself excuses and outs to to live a life that truly would be inexcusable, a life of faith and leadership and boldness, um, the better. Okay. That's the existential. The tactical is this. You're at a season of your life where you've done great things. You've had a family, I'm sure. You've grown businesses, maybe. You've 
you've, you've accomplished much. Maybe now you're entering another season in your life where you're looking around and wondering, what do you do? It doesn't mean that you already know what your purpose or your gift is when you're at this age, um, when you're 50 and 60 and, and 70. Oftentimes what happens is, is you're kind of left in this new season of wandering and wilderness where you look around and say, the things that I've known are now gone. And I had a house that was full and now it's full on holidays. And I had a business that was full, but now it's sold. Now what? A couple of different points of thought. The first thing is if you're trying, and, and this is just to anybody, at the, it, not even this age, but if you're trying to get connected to that purpose, the, I, I always begin with what are the things that you do with little effort that require other people much effort? The thing that comes to you naturally that to other people requires a significant amount of work. And I'm not just talking about the tactical. I'm really good at math. Okay, that's all fine and good. I'm talking about conceptual. So maybe you're not good at math. Maybe what happens is the thing that comes to you naturally is thinking things in systematic and pattern-based ways. And math happens to be a better articulation of that thought process than other mediums, for example. Maybe you're an individual who you're not older and you're stuck in an accounting job, and yet you're always the person that friends call whenever they need a little help navigating the emotions of their situation. Maybe you have a gift to speak to the spirit of an individual, and that gift hasn't been able to be played out in your work because you're speaking to the spirit of the numbers for the firm's financial picture instead of the actual spirit of the people in your network. I'm talking about the thing that you can do that takes little effort. If I were to put you on a stage in front of 3,000 people, how could you? What, what is the thing that you could speak on or speak to and sound prepared without being actually prepared? That type of thing. And when you can start to understand, okay, conceptually, I know my friends call when they have problems. I believe that it's because I'm really good at understanding, identifying, and helping them navigate their emotions, which means I have a really high emotional ability to communicate. So therefore, conceptually, um, I, I, I'm, I'm good to communicate emotionally. Well, th then from there, what I always recommend is you start to build areas of your life, how you communicate, how you move, what you earn and how you earn are just as important as it relates back to that concept. So maybe now instead of working in numbers, I'm going to just start to put feelers out there if I can just start helping people in a way that allows me to, to feed that emotional need in their life, to work that, that muscle of communicating emotionally in my life and just start dipping my toes. See, real business is built over years or decades, not, not overnight. And, and when you can start moving deeper into, I'm going to really get clear on trying to navigate all of my actions to fit into this box of a concept. I want to navigate my day-to-day -to, -day to make sure that the vast majority of my decisions fit into this box of thinking logically and articulating logically. I want to fit my day-to-day -to, -day to make sure the majority of my decisions, my actions, what I earn and how I earn fit into this box of helping people emotionally. And as you get deeper down that framework, now you have data to work with what's working, what doesn't, and you can truly start building a life around a purpose or a calling or a giftedness because you began at the very foundational level, which is, this is easy to me and hard for other people. And it's so simple, but that it's really easy to execute on. It takes a little bit of disruption, especially if you're in that state, like you mentioned, Blake, of being a machine. But, but at the end of the day, that's how it begins to start living a life that's a little bit deeper in purpose, a little bit deeper in conviction, and start structuring the things that you do around the thing that you were called to do instead of living a life in, in default. So that would be my recommendation, not just for those of you that are listening that are maybe a little older, but for anybody, because I think both are applicable. Again, the earlier, the better, you know, in my opinion. I love that. Yeah, and it's really good, no matter what age you are, to continue to recalibrate. And as God's growing you, as things are shifting, realizing maybe your physical bodies quit growing, mm -hmm. but your internal diet, like your internal mainframe, 
as con- needs to continue to update. And whether it's the leadership skills that have grown, you've got to update that inside of you because certain things have now become easier to you. And you've got to really realize that the purpose might be right before your eyes, right before your nose, but you actually just haven't, you haven't felt blessed to actually call that your purpose. And so I love that um, at any age, that's a really good practical, um, practical direction. So that's really good. Okay. We're going to change directions. Are you ready? Let's, Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. For those who still have a business or are growing a business, this is some key nuggets that I think you'll be really interested in. Um, so let's talk about establishing brands. And mm. for those of you who don't, and those that retired crowd, this is actually maybe even more valuable for you if you can actually take the word brand and call that purpose, because this will actually be how you would grow that influence around what Evan just talked about, about what you're good at. So about growing and establishing brands, when someone's growing a new company, you know, one of the hardest things obviously is to break through all the noise and attract the specific avatar. So my question for you is, what have you done to reinvent the way you built your culture and actually created raving fans? Mm, that's a good question and a loaded question. I love it. Um, a couple of different things on that. The first thing is um, leading with a relational over transactional approach. A lot of people say that in a sales pitch and they're actually transactional. Oh, we're relationship driven. No, you're not because you only call me when you want to get in my wallet, not when you want to be in my life. So that's not a relationship. Uh, Relational over transactional means that the transaction becomes a byproduct of a vested relationship, not the goal of a relationship. Okay. It doesn't mean... It doesn't mean that we have to make friends with our clients, but what it does mean is that the transaction only happens on the back of it being a truly sustainably, clearly driven value for the client to be a client, for the prospect to be a client, I guess I should say, if you want to get tangible in, in the terminology. Um, the first, so, so out of the gate, what that means is I actually don't want your money, like just to take it. I started this business. I, I did not have to sell my $35 million real estate company. I'm just saying, I was making great money. I'm in my mid twenties. We're living in the city. Life is good. Like we're, we're starting to, I didn't have to sell that. I, I, I do this because I want to, which gives us the freedom and the permission to say no. Hey, I appreciate you reaching out. I don't think that we're the right fit for you. And the reason that we say that is not because we want to turn people away. But I only want people in my network that align with our core values, which I'll talk about in a second. From a customer standpoint, not just employees, but also I want to make sure that, I mean, look, if you're in the business of transforming lives and businesses, the best data you can produce are the lives and the businesses that have trans- been transformed through your partnership and through your efforts together, right? It's like back to my real estate days, man, I can hit your mailbox all I want to. I can hit your social media all I want to and retarget and click funnels and all of that. The person you're going to call is the agent that has a sold sign in your yard that you pass six times a day when you're going back to and from work, right? Oh man, this guy's in my mailbox, right? But this other one's in my neighborhood and actually doing business, not just spending money. That's the person you call. So better data than anything is a network of people that are saying, oh my gosh, I've had results here. I had this experience at the conference, my business grew a thousand percent and normal people, right? Not, oh, I'm a millionaire and now I'm $10 million. No, I'm talking about, I was making $13,000 and in three years, I'm making 120. I was making $100,000 and now I'm making $100,000, but it's recurring. I'm talking about great uncommon things beginning with common people. 
We're obsessed, again, to use that terminology, with building out a structured network of people that believe in our core values of precision, responsibility, teamwork, and growth that are running towards the same mission that we have as a company to allow individuals and companies to grow profitably, realize their potential, and build work environments that are inspiring, fascinating, and motivating. And also, black and white data, advocates like friends keep friends in business. I may love you, but if we make a million dollars together, we'll probably love each other even more. So it, it's building advocates around the results and being results driven, which starts on the front end. Hey, Blake, super glad you called in. Brother, we can't help you. The, you. What you're looking for is not what we do. You want SEO work? My company doesn't do that. I had somebody call in the other day. It was a big contract too. We have five to $10,000 a month allocated for SEO work. Sure, I'd love that. Can't help you. Sorry. And yet in the same breath, we had somebody that said, I'm really struggling to get off the ground. Hey, well, that's why you you need us, not the reason why you don't, is because people struggling to get off the ground and building that launching platform is what we do at this level. You know, at the time, she was looking into Obsessed Academy. That's what we're looking for. And so to answer your question, I think that creates advocates because when you lead with care through your actions, not just, oh, we care and it's some crappy plaque on the wall that's been rusting in the summer sun, but no, no, no. When you lead with care in your actions and show them through your actions, hey, you know what? We're going to do business if it makes sense to do business. And, 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 and that's a different conversation. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's good. Let's play, let me play devil's advocate with that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me for the mind. For my listener who is not intentionally wired, they have some programs that I would call mm-hmm. they've got to reprogram some th- certain ways they actually work. But right now I'm, I'm more passive. I'm not really very intentional in like reaching out. Um, how do you bring, how do you call out that line of Judah? Like, how do you get them to actually be obsessed and then create that culture? Because what you're saying is, is being an advocate and actually like an advocate I see as like a defense attorney who's like defending a cause. Like, how do you put, and again, we're talking to the person who's retired, talking about that person as well, right? How do they sure. reignite that, that, okay, I, fe- I figured out my purpose. Like, how do I reignite that? And like, become powerfully passionate about it enough to actually tell people about it. And then how do I like put a flag in the ground? How do you guys do that with obsessed? Yeah. Um, two different points of thought to begin. And and just as a, a quick aside, we're talking about a very broad brushstroke concept here to reach the people that are just beginning and they're young. And then of course, like you said, those that maybe have retired as well, and they have a different season that they're looking at all of everyone can benefit, but if I was strictly talking to 20 or 30 year olds, I would say, here's exactly strictly talking to 50, 60, 70 year olds. I'd say, here's exactly. But so we're going to be a little more broad here, but I'll explain uh, tactically, but, but still broad brushstrokes. So hopefully this is applicable to you as a listener, regardless of your season. Um, a few different things. Archelia says that we don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. Now he was a general, but in reality, what that means for us is that we fall to the level of our habits, of our systems, of our environment. Sure. And so the, the default is if you want to stay ignited, ignition like a fire goes out, which is why we have to relight the fires when we're camping. Same thing with ourselves. So if you want to stay ignited, you have to stay in a hot environment, which means that the default, that. right? We don't rise to the level of our expectations. I want to do more. That new year's resolution falls within seven days. No, no. It's an environment that pushes you to do more. So I'll give you an a couple of tangible examples on that. If you've already identified that purpose, the first thing is the purpose has to be defined in the mission. It has to be defined in a mission, an actual tangible mission. At Obsessed Academy, we believe in creating inspiring, fascinating, motivating work environments and helping individuals and companies grow profitably. Say it one more time slow. Excuse me. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, our, our mission is to help companies grow profitably and realize their potential. And our vision is to create a world where individuals are inspired 
by their potential, motivated by their progress and fulfilled when they come home. Awesome. So our, that's articulated very, very clearly, very, very clearly. And all of our employees, our clients know, like we, we know. So the first thing is the purpose becomes articulated in something tangible. Okay. Helping people grow profitably and realize the potential. Well, potential is a little bit ambiguous, but grow profitably definitely makes sense. And, and so let's, let's talk about that. And then and, and those are the conversations that we push forward. Um, but the second thing is if we're creating an environment that keeps us hot, that means that it's an environment of discipline. It means that it's an environment that's defined in how you act and all of the actions can fall back into a, a system that pushes you forward. So core values are a great way to do that. The four that we have are precision, responsibility, teamwork, and growth. And simply what that means is that we have to move swiftly and with accuracy, execute fast, uh, but not so fast that you break stuff in the China shop. Not so fast that you break stuff quickly. Responsibility. Hey, everything is your fault and your responsibility. And if you're going to be solutions driven for your clients, you have to be solutions driven for yourself. Don't ever come with the problem. Always come with a proposed solution. Even if it's the wrong solution, have a solution in hand and be solutions driven. Right? Everything is our responsibility. Right, Jocko uh, talks about in his book Extreme Ownership that there's no such things as bad teams. There are just such things as bad leaders. There, there, there are no bad teams. Yeah. There are only bad leaders. Excuse me. Right. Um, and you have to take responsibility for everything. Uh, teamwork that we're mission driven and mission success is the only acceptable outcome. Second place is first loser in my opinion. So that concept of okay, if we're going to be first in what we do, market leadership, or we're going to be present, or whatever goal we're accomplishing, we're going to do it to the best of our ability together. And then growth, greatness isn't good enough. I don't care what you did yesterday. Blake, you may have a million dollar day in my company. Well, today is going to be a new day. I'm going to say awesome. Hey, yesterday, I, no, 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 I don't care. Today's a new day. So the reason why I say that is because even if it's just you or you and a partner or spouse or you and a company, even if it's just you, you have to have those values to lean back into and you have to have the discipline to adhere to them. So by default, if I have a defined mission, I know where I'm running. And all of my actions align for me with precision, responsibility, teamwork, and growth. That means by default, I'm in an environment that pushes me forward, regardless of how I feel. Because that discipline is there, and it's a very clear system to adhere to. And that's probably where I would begin if you're trying to stay ignited. The problem with most people that try to stay ignited is they try to stay motivated. Brother, I'm not motivated all the time. Today, I'm tired. I'm really tired today. I'm, I'm just going to be real. I didn't want to get up this morning at all. I was like, oh, we, you know, that, that, that thought in the mind, you can always take the day off. You can always write, but that wouldn't be taking responsibility. So I got up. So what happens is, is when you don't have the motivation, you can have the, 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 the habits and the discipline in a very it, it, strict set of rules for you uh, that can actually carry you forward. Now, now, does that, excuse me, does that answer your question a little, a little better? <laughs> yeah, I love that. The good, good. strict discipline. I would say is actually built behind rules and beliefs. And so for even the person who is that more passive and less intentional, they've got to build those disciplines that you're talking about to actually, when they don't feel like being the person to call or to hold, to be the advocate for their, their cause or their purpose or for the retired person to actually, you know, they want to not always try to get out there They've got to go build that. And you're talking about it being tied to a mission statement. I, I love you. You, you kind of, you mentioned it for a second. If it's just uh, a spouse, you and a spouse, man, that's good. We call that a family crest. That's good just for a family with no business. None of, like, right. what are we living for? What's our mission? Where are we going? Like, mm -hmm. so then with what you're saying is 
man, if I don't feel like doing something, if I can't, I must, because here's my mission. Here's the reason we're, like, we're alive. So mm-hmm. I love that direction. Um, so good. Uh, last question for you, for my uh, listeners, those who are building a large brand, you know, seeking high net worth individuals. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if they wanted to be obsessed and wanted to approach it creatively, what are your best tips on finding that high net worth individual, engaging them, and then turning them into raving fans? And maybe we just focus on like finding them and engaging them. What's your best tips on, on doing that to build that culture? Finding so, them and engaging them. Just to make sure that I'm clear so I don't answer incorrectly, you're talking about those that are in, in the business standpoint, you're trying to build sure, a network right. of high value prospects and, and clients. Right. and Okay, okay. Um, well, the thought process is at least for me, and this is what I did starting in a very low level and then ending in a multi, multi, multi millionaire, uh, excuse me, million dollar real estate person where my average price point was well into, uh, the multi-million dollars when I had finished and and when it began, it wasn't. So I, I kind of walked that same path. So I can speak a little bit from experience here. Um, the, the thought needs to begin with, you can always go down, but you can't always go up. So I'll give you the example I had in real estate. If I'm known as the agent that can sell one, two, three, five, eight, ten, fifteen million dollar homes all day long, I absolutely can take the half a million dollar property. But the way that you work your way up, and finishing that thought, if you're known as the agent that can only sell one and two and three hundred thousand dollar homes, it's going to be very hard for you to sell to even get the attention of the, the multi million. So you begin with the presentation, with the information, with the education, uh, and then as simple as it sounds you start asking really high value questions. So I'll give you an example of what this looks like because you can actually refer your way to the top because the people that sold $100,000 homes were new people at 300, new people Great at 500. Um, so, so things like, hey, Blake, who's the most important person in your life? Or who's your, your, the, 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 the closest mentor you have in this city? And would you be willing and open to making a connection? Right. So what happens is you start referring up, not, hey, who's your best friend? comes to mind immediately, probably somebody on a similar level because like attracts like and we're around people at similar levels. But if I say, hey, who's the most, who's, who's the person that's had the most impact on you this year in the city? Would you be open to making an introduction or in the area or whatever it is? Because you're, you're, you're theoretically, right? You don't want to necessarily go across the world because it may not be applicable. But what happens is you start thinking up. Who's the person that's had the deepest impact? When you start looking with your clients, you start asking for referrals and for networking up. So, uh, man, I've, I've absolutely loved working with you, and I appreciate the referrals. Um, if you don't mind me asking, one of the things that we're working on is, is really getting connected to people that inspire the people that we are inspired by. Because like you know, that if you're an individual that's doing great things and the people that inspire you, of course, they're, they're accomplishing amazing things as well. Who comes to mind as somebody in your life who maybe you'd be willing to make an introduction to that you're inspired by? And then the second thought is, and this is a little bit harder, but a great way to do it is you start building environments in which people can get connected around you. So if your thought is the person that can connect for all things around what you do, then you'll definitely be thought of as the person that can, you know, you can go to to do what you do. So things like the Obsessed Conference, that's an incredible way for companies to get connected around us, right? It doesn't always mean that I'm going to sell to people, but I tell you what, I know some of the people that are going to that conference, some of them are worth tens of millions of dollars. Some of them are just starting out. But if everyone can have high value experiences and it happens to be around my brand and my company, well, then what do you know? They're going to think pretty highly of Evan. Now, I'm not saying to go out and build a conference, but in a small way, it can be client appreciation parties. It can be making sure that people are thought of and cared for 
in your in your neighborhood and in, in your environment. And then of course that final piece, whenever you ask, ask to refer up. And you'd be amazed at the quality of conversations you have, where I'm no longer referring my best friend, I'm, uh, who may or may not be a great person to refer, but, but I'm really referring those that truly inspire, not someone I went to high school with, but someone I'm really inspired with. And, and, and in a nutshell way, that, that would be where I would begin because it's easy to begin. There's a lot more tactics over you know, years of discipline that, that we could get into on a different episode, of course. But that's where I would begin if you're thinking of trying to expand the network because it's simple. And more importantly, it means that like attracts like so you can attract people that inspire the people that maybe you're inspired by. So it's a good foundation to, to build upon. <laughs> that's a really good principle. Um, you're actually talking about this primary question, having people have a primary question and again, that, was, that still works for our people who are retired, who are actually um, simply just that passive investor. Like, what's that primary question, even for that mission statement? Like, you know, and that statement is, um, you know, as you mentioned, when they're asking someone else, who do you know that? I love you mentioned the mentor. Who is your mentor? Who's your best mentor? And do you, ha- are you, would you be willing to actually introduce me to them? bringing, I mean, now you're tapping into everyone's highest quality person and bringing those people. And even if that's just a one-on-one coffee meeting and then bringing them in. Um, so for, for those who are my retired group who are, you know, trying to find out what that purpose is and you're actually, you know, um, as Evan has shared, you're, you're seeing how you could actually go do something with um, this purpose, you know, this quality question having everyone bring their, their, their closest mentor, and then just having a dinner over at your house. I mean, for my people, my people, people, my people, persons yeah. who, are, who are actively engaging, like you have to have that serotonin flowing of status, like that, that just engages you and makes you feel full, man, you actually can be doing that. <clears throat> so just because you retired and like you've set yourself down do not buy into this lie that, you know, I'm just, I'm just now on, I'm just now golfing on Saturdays. I'm not just golfing. Like, no, you can go be the one who's influential, who's calling darkness um, out and putting light in it and who's engaging people and making influence. And I love you're talking about for those who are building a brand, having that quality question and actually talking to each person um, who, and everyone knows somebody who's mm-hmm. in, impacted their life. So I love that. It's actually quite the opposite of network marketing and network marketing. Those tens finds find nines and the nines find eights and the eights find sevens. And you're referring down. Networking is just building relationships with the motive, right? I mean, that's, right. that's all. And, and that's the final piece that we're talking about here is you can't have a motive. So that's the key, great right? Point. This is not desperate. This is not, Oh, Blake, I'm going to get connected with your mentor. And then by the way, these are intimate connections. If I send you somebody that's close in my life, that's inspired me, that's worked with me, that's an intimate connection. So don't friggin' sell them like, hey, I know that Blake got us connected. Now we're going to talk about, no, 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 no. It's just, I recognize that the person that you inspire inspires me and I felt compelled to get to know you. That is the legitimate beginning and end of the statement. Remember, the transaction is a byproduct of a vested relationship, not conversation, not expectation, not networking, not cold call, not Zoom call, not email, relationship. So that is how it begins. And, and this, this will not produce revenue immediately if you're trying to drive revenue. Just so you know, you're going to be a little bit disappointed. It will not. But you know what it will do over about two to three years, because it takes a while to pop. 
it'll start to grow, 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 grow. And then the quality of relationship and revenue is exponentially larger than what you could have built upon by nickel and dime your way through. Yeah. Evan Stewart, everybody. Evan, thank you for your time, my man. Enjoyed the iron sharpening iron and cultivating excellence. Um, digging down into some quality, like extracting the Lion of Judah out of our purpose and our passion and where we're going. Evan, if people want to find you, where can they find you? All my social is at Real Evan Stewart. I'm most active right now on, uh, I guess, Instagram. Um, but uh, reality, you can find me there. Um, if you are in a business and you uh, would love to get connected, um, on we have ObsessedAcademy.com is a great place to begin where we have our proprietary infrastructure and coursework that we've used to grow our companies. My wife and I still do private consulting and workshops and whatnot. Or uh, if you you really like to build that connection, then join us at the conference. We're going to be there in April this year. Obsessedconference.com is a great place to get connected. Um, come, network, meet people, learn from the best. And regardless, though, I'm, I'm just thankful, Blake, that you could have me on. And uh, hopefully we were, we were able to bring some value back to your listeners. So I, I appreciate the time. That's awesome. I appreciate you, man. So for social, for you guys on social media, it's real. Evan Stewart. And then for the obsessed conference, obsessedconference.com. Mm-hmm. Love that. Um, guys reach out. Evan's been a privilege, my man really enjoyed it. And for you guys who are listeners, man, process this information. This can't just be something, you know, that you actually intellectually uh, stew on. This has got to be marinated on and acted out. So for you who want that activation step of homework, process the idea of what is your mission statement, not for your business, but for you directly. It's going to run your life. Think about the quality question that Evan brought forth on actually cultivating a culture of high net worth or high quality um, you know, souls around you who actually want to live for a purpose bigger than themselves. And then go do something with it. Activate that and be obsessed. Until next time, this is a Solomon Investor Podcast, and we're signing out. See you guys. All right, listen, I got to level with you. We've all seen the bubble burst over and over again. 1929, 1987, 2008, and now 2020. The fallacy of the stock markets continue to be exposed before our very eyes. And no matter where you're at right now, no matter where you're at in the markets, It's time to take action and escape the trap. You must activate and protect your net worth. Your net worth must cash flow, and we want to help you do that. So do this. Text the word Solomon to 31996, and you will get instant access to the step-by-step training guide every Solomon investor uses to get started. It's chock full of current wealth principles, financial facts, case studies, and the frameworks of King Solomon translated for the 21st century investor. Again, text Solomon to 31996.